Who elected you leader of this outfit? Well, Pete, I figured it should be the one with the capacity for abstract thought. Seduction. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. Today we're going to talk about a book called We Are Legion, We Are Bob. Now, initially, when I was told about this book, uh, M, the Minnesota misanthrope, my co host for the show, he told me the wrong book. He told me the wrong name. <laughs> and so I didn't actually get a chance to read the book. I read the wrong book. Was a little bit ill prepared for this podcast. Clearly, in the last episode, uh, that would be episode one or season one, episode one uh, on the right to life, we ran into some problems. I stated in that episode that my goal was to gather my thoughts on the topic and bounce them off of somebody in an effort to improve my understanding and position. In other words, I was hoping to make sense and make more sense after the conversation than I did before it, but that was not the outcome. Thus, my quest to improve as a person through conversation failed. So now what? Well, I passed the baton to my co-host for this episode. Uh, this episode was his idea. Confusion aside, uh, we get into the weeds again in this episode, especially in the first 20 minutes. Uh, you'll notice that in the first 15 minutes or so, I decided to eat a meal. And I'm very sorry that I did that because I was doing it out of spite. Based on the way we ended the first episode, I was still kind of sore about that. And I was like, hey, you know what? If you're not going to take my episode seriously, then I'm not going to take your episode seriously. As I said, I, I, I regret it. For one, because it made the episode difficult to listen to. And for two, it's not very professional. Now, fear not, because at about minute 20, 25, somewhere around there, it gets much quieter things settle down, we both settle into a much better conversation. Now, I do ask him about the uh, passage that he talks about in the book report or in the book review, and we get into some discussions about evolution, we, and we meander through some conversation into uh, into some of my frustrations where, when I talk to other people about things and how I've noticed that they sometimes don't really make a lot of sense when they talk. The episode ends in a good place, uh, much better than the first episode, as far as the the candor between me and M. If you're looking to generate and produce a good podcast, so far, we're 0 for 2. Now, it's still got some value, of course, but I certainly wouldn't put it on par with the kind of work that I'm doing now. It became clear to me as the podcast progressed, that I was going to need to expand and I was going to need to really focus on what it was that I wanted to say and how I was going to say it. So the kind of person I am, I have lots of interests and I want to share them with other people, but, but that doesn't always make for a good podcast. 
if you look at other people's podcasts, they often have a theme that they follow throughout the whole thing. Well, my podcast, this podcast, Ear Seduction, doesn't do that. It bounces from topic to topic, especially in the first season, and really doesn't have any direction. Now, that changes in the second the second and third seasons, and I'm very glad that it did because it has forced me to focus not just what I produce on the show, but how I think. Focus more on what it is that I believe and why and what it is that I think and what it is that I think that I can deliver to my audience that'll be of value. And that has spawned a kaleidoscope, a deluge of different shows that I'm going to be presenting to you over the next few seasons. Now, I haven't decided exactly how I'm going to publish this show. I haven't decided exactly if I'm going to publish once every quarter or once every six months or once a year. I'm pretty sure it'll be more frequently than once a year. But I haven't fully figured all that out yet. Right now, my goal is to get you 16 episodes from the original podcast that I did with the Minnesota Misanthrope, where we recorded all of our conversations over the phone. Initially, this podcast was a recorded conversation over the phone, where we tried to bring topics to one another of interest and kind of see where it went. Um, it changed after that into my show, essentially. And what I could bring to the table and then how the Minnesota Misanthrope could add to that. And then it changed again after that to topics that don't include anybody but me. And then also topics that include pretty much anybody but me. At one point, I have five guests on the show all at once. And we're shooting information back and forth and discussing a topic that I have nothing, no in, in investment in whatsoever. Other than that, I'm interested in it and I'm conducting the interview. So enough about where the show is going to go. Let's let's get back to where the show is. So here is Season 1, Episode 2 of Ear Seduction. We are Legion. We are Bob. The book review. And now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome my co-host, Mr. Monocade himself, Minnesota's old, the Midwest misanthrope. We are live. We are live. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, man. How, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, trying to wrap up my weekend's activities of cleaning everything in sight in preparation for my mom's arrival. When, uh, when, when is she stopping by again? Uh, she gets here on the 22nd of March. Oh. And I just, yeah, it is, yeah, I fucking love it, dude, because it's going to be a good time. You know how crazy she is. Dude, it's Mama. Yeah, she's awesome. Mama's coming home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, she's just a lot of fun to have around, so I want to make sure the house is tip-top and I don't have anything outstanding. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, kind of rub it in that I'm a better housekeeper than she is. That's kind of part of the point, I think. <laughs> <laughs> For the five or six days that she's going to be here, she'll be like, oh, wow, so nice in here. You're like, get your shit together, Mom. Jesus. Yeah. Come on. See how yeah. this looks? This could so, be you. Any, uh, any other things pop up during the weekend? No, I had a party at his house last night. Um, I didn't go. I was busy. I was hanging out with my friend, and uh, we were going deep, so 
<laughs> we were balls deep, so it was uh, it was a good time. What was uh, what were you, uh, what were you doing? Were you doing the wobbly H on some some uh, some lucky lady? Were you doing the the devil's handcuff? No, <laughs> going, going deep with your buddy. Not yeah. not as not that deep. Yeah, I wish. Uh, um, <laughs> no. Um, uh, I just I just remember on Friday, man, you said that you're going to be get into some maybe some ethical discussions. Or was that something that you're doing with? Or was that just online? No, and I we uh, we go back and forth about a lot of different topics. A lot of them being ethics and morality and um, religion and free will. He and I did a right. To, he he and I had a whole right to life exchange that lasted like six months. Where he used to be on your side of the right to life, at least with capital punishment being okay. He, he wasn't. Uh, he, you and he wouldn't agree on everything. He 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 used to believe in capital punishment and everything, and then to my astonishment, he accredits me with <laughs> with changing his mind on the topic. So I was like, oh wow, well, that's amazing, yeah. And then uh, well, and then we got into free will, and that's. That's where we sort of hung our hat. We took a break from it for a while because we were literally just going after each other every time we hung out about it. <laughs> and so he was like, dude, can't we, you know, can't we talk about something else? And I was like, yeah, totally. We're both single. Let's talk about girls. Right. Or, or yeah, whatever. Let's talk about politics. And so he and I have gone round and round and round. And it's, it's interesting because um, he's a combative or not um, the word it's like combinationalist or something. It's a. Anyway, he he thinks the, that we have free will, and he believes that um, that it's something we can demonstrate. And I, me and him, sort of challenge each other to find out if that's true. And uh, I'm more of a, a determinist. I, I'm more of a cause and effect determinist, and he he's more of a um, combinationalist. You said. Yeah, that's not the right word, but I I don't know why. Combinationalistic. Yeah, it just combines the two. It combines right. the idea of free will with with determinism, which is cause and effect. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's interesting. We go back and forth and, and he, he turned me on to Daniel Dennett, who I was reading before, but didn't realize that he had stuff about free will until I talked about it and then looked into it. And, and, uh, he, he sort of, Daniel Dennett has a really interesting definition of free will. And it's, I don't think it's valid, but it, it brings up a lot of valid points. So we go back and forth on that too. You have, uh, you have the definition on you or? Um, no, but see, that's the thing. It's not something that, you can define all that easily. So, um, if if you if you want to say free will exists, then you have to have some kind of situation in which you can demonstrate that you have it. And what what uh, Daniel Dennett talks about is very much like a probability. So he'll say that you can make the the crux of the whole question right is um, if you could. <laughs> in, and I'm saying this in fear of breaking out into song, and unfortunately it's a share song. But if you could turn back time, <laughs> <Aww>. um, <laughs> yeah, don't go there. We we don't need to do that. Um, but if you could turn back time and then and then play it back again, that you could actually have done something different. And that's the that's what free will proponents say. So that's as good of a definition as I can probably give you. So a free will person will say, yeah, you can turn back time and then play play it back again. And if even if nothing changes, like even if your situation doesn't change, and, you know, atom for atom, molecule for molecule, moment for moment, everything's the same, you could have made a different choice. That's just kind of based on uh, personal thought, I guess. Yeah, well, 
yeah, it gets into it gets into the consciousness and the human mind, and that's that's what free will proponents are saying. They're saying that you could have done something differently. Okay. And the determinists are saying if nothing changes, if literally nothing changes, no random event happens, nothing changes, it, it plays back exactly the same way, then it will happen the same way every time. So you can't change the past. In other words, right. And and it's as soon as you start getting into the examples, this idea that things will change just sort of disappears. It, it just It's like a genie in a lamp. It just sort of vanishes. Okay. And so it's, it's really hard to nail down, and that's why I don't, I don't think free will is, 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 is real. It's easier for, for people like me to be able to grasp these concepts in, in story form than it is to sit down in a classroom, it seems like. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, I need pictures in color. You know, I need, I need, <laughs> sure. I need costumes. And then I can follow it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, just, it's like my head doesn't have the capability to, to hear the words and then put them in place in a, in a mode that I can understand it. But. Mm -hmm. If it's, if it's drawn out in, in story form, uh, in pictures, it just seems like, oh, hey, yay. You know, it, it kind of makes sense a little bit more, but. Oh yeah, yeah, the, the, my favorite example of that, and I haven't, I, I haven't found a good example of like the free will determinist conversation or, or examples of both in a comic book yet, but my favorite example of that is, um, Watchmen. And it's a total argument played out in, in that novel, uh, between, you know, the deontological ethic and the utilitarian and right. it just it just plays out so beautifully. You've got characters to identify with that are deontological, and then you've got characters to to identify with that are utilitarian, and both have their faults. And you can sort of like see how how that those two um, schools of thought sort of clash, and how some of how some parts of each one is wrong, and how other parts are right. And yeah, it's, it, that's a really that was one of the my favorite examples of of that was that that movie. I didn't read the the story, but I I watched the movie and it was so well done. I love oh, that it, movie. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful thing about that movie too. Is that basically that that idea is is the main part. You know, the ending's a little different, but uh, there's like a couple. You know, little issues here and there. If you want to be a purist, but yeah. at, the end, at the end of the day, you're just like, what? What a fucking brilliant display of getting that idea across. Yeah. To the and and to some people, to not even to understand that's going on, but just to not have the actual definitions in front of you. Mm -hmm. But your brain's able to take it in and be like, I, you know, it's uh, the greater good, right? Or is it? You know, on the other side of things, it's like moral. You know, what's what? What's this is the wrong way of doing it for the greater good. You know, it's a, it's this whole conflict, and you're just kind of taking it in. You know something's there, but then you find out more and more that you're looking at the face value of a story, and then you realize, like, the authors, the creators of it, are just fucking, they were going for something else the whole fucking time. And it's like a right. subliminal message that they're sending out to you. Right, it's, right. It's amazing, no doubt. But no doubt. I, I want to get to your, your We Are Legion. All right, so... Because you were going off. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, reading the book, We Are Legion, uh, I Am Bob, and um, it's a it's a it's a new book released by. Let me see one second. It's apparently it's a trilogy. The other two haven't been released yet, and uh, the next book will be released actually this March, and uh, the one after that will be I believe like uh, 
Junis. Um, so, fairly new series, uh, but it's picking up a lot of weight when it comes down to uh, sci-fi, you know, readers and like all the way mm-hmm. around. Everybody's just loving this thing. It's got a really good, really good tone, really good voice to it. Um, the premise is this guy, it starts out where basically this guy's at a Comic-Con and he's leaving the, uh, basically the sales purchase of investing in, uh, having himself be, uh, cryogenically frozen once he dies. And, and then, uh, from there it just, it just evolves. Mm-hmm. And the writer does a lot of things that the ideas have been done before, but at the same time, it's just, it, it, it's unique and it's done right. He, he does, he just, it's a balance that is kind of rare to where I think anybody and their mother will be able to get into this story. Mm-hmm. Like it's a tough one not to like. Mm-hmm. One of the actually, one of the things that that's kind of cool is that for like five chapters, he uh, randomly puts in a little uh, synapse of a quote from somebody else mm-hmm. to kind of preface the chapter. And one of which uh, it, it really it really grasped me. I don't know it word for word. Basically, the whole idea of the preface guy basically stating how <clears throat> what we already know is that life is made up of DNA and RNA, and basically that's that's the breakdown of molecules. That's like at the molecular level. That's that's what life is. Now, with RNA is the single strand, DNA is the two strands woven together. Mm-hmm. Um, and within there, there's 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 molecules that uh, basically are universal. Uh, through and by universal, they're in our universe. They've come together and they do certain things. The example that's being used is we have molecules in our DNA and RNA that are the same as fire, uh, but Despite how, however many times a fire gets started, a fire will never change its existence. It will, it will light and it will burn and then it will burn up. Then that's just kind of the way things are. <laughs> to where DNA and RNA contain information and the information is altered by environmental pressure. So the information then transfers over and then it does its best to adapt. Even with these molecular things that are happening, same thing that happens in fire, because of DNA and RNA, life is able to adapt the result of the pressure of its surrounding when it's active. And that's life. That broken down to that level is something that I find is, you know, it, it makes me go, wow, yeah, that makes sense. Because when sometimes you, you hear this hypothetical question of like, well, what is life? What's it all mean? And to me personally, I look at it as, well, oh, basically it's DNA and RNA. And we're just adapt, you know, it's adapting, trying to survive on all levels. That's what's going on. It's just trying to keep going. This this code is trying to keep going. And I find that when it comes to religion, that's not necessarily a. Uh, I guess that's not necessarily being front and center when it comes to what life is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also too, you know, it's like the idea of well, once you die, you know, you'll 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 be rewarded or you'll be punished. And then that just kind of that completely uh, disregards reality of DNA and RNA and what that's doing. You know, when you die. You're not going to be reincarnated, but this DNA and this RNA could be transferring, you know, to the next generation, mm-hmm. you know, and adapting and changing depending on the environment, you know, and, and also this is obvious when it comes down to Darwinism and all these just amazing things at this, this smallest level to where there's almost, there's a, there's a, a 
you know, it's very tough to be like, it might be romanticizing it, but it just seems like it's information that's constant. You know, it doesn't want to fail. It wants to always keep adapting. And I think that is value in that. And I think that sometimes uh, people are hold religion as a stronger value than just, you know, what I think about DNA and RNA. And then that message just gets completely pushed aside. And mm-hmm. I think that if a religion wanted to promote itself in a more positive light, it would include it in a way that, you know, didn't basically disrespect what, what the science is showing us, I guess. And and that's that's what I was coming from. Yeah, I got a couple questions. I'll do my like, I'll do my best. I'm not <laughs> yeah. it, you know. No, no, I know. I'm just I'm curious. When you were saying um that it's it's the same thing as what happens with fire, are is that a literal statement or are you saying more figuratively? No, on a on a molecular level, we have some of the same ingredients that are in fire. Now, fire it, it puts example down to like take five thousand lightning strike fires. Okay, started by a lightning strike. That fire will always act the same way. Okay, that fire is not going to be able to consciously do anything different. Like learn from the past. Of, you know, when the fire hits the water, the the fire isn't dodging the water. You know, it doesn't have that capability. Yeah. It doesn't have DNA. It has the same mouth, but it doesn't have DNA. It doesn't have RNA to to combine that information. So that's why they, that's why that that example gets put forth, and I, I believe that's why it seemed like a pretty clean um, example when when I was reading it. Okay. Like, oh, it makes sense. Like that fire is not going to. Hey, there's a river here. You know, let's make a boat. Right. Okay. Or let's not go in the water. You know what I mean? It can't go in the water. It can't exist in the water. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So as far as a landmade fire goes, it can't like just unless there's some other chemicals happening or whatever that attract it. But it it doesn't have a conscious. It doesn't have that. You know, like that the tree the tree grows in a certain way due to the pressure of the environment. You know what I mean? Fire, despite Whatever the environment is will always act like a fire, but it's always going to be that same fire. Okay. That same thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, a little bit. Um, it answers my question. Okay. I, I mean, I, this is a pretty deep hole we could go into as far as what DNA and RNA does and how it does it, the molecular structure of it. And when you're saying it's the same as fire, I'm curious what, what that means exactly. Like, Well, the, D, the DNA and RNA, that's the thing that's separate from fire. Does that make yeah. sense? That fire yeah, doesn't yeah. have DNA and RNA. It doesn't. It doesn't have that. Like if you visualize it, it doesn't have those two puzzle pieces. Now well, it, it doesn't have the things. Yeah, it may have the things in between. Like DNA is two strands. You see, like uh, the bars in between, and that's different. That's different molecular elements. A well, DNA has, is a molecule. Yeah, but yeah. The, but inside the DNA is the code. Right, that has like the next level down from the from the molecules. Okay, so let's say it's kind of like uh, all right, if you have if you have A and B, right, and then you have A and B, and they're in between those two bars of the DNA, and or with RNA, it's attached. That same type of pattern is attached to the one bar with the RNA. With through the sugar, the fire can have those elements that are in that are. A and D and AD and you know whatever they can the fire can have that in it but it's not bound so it, because that that binding is is the thing that allows the opportunity to adapt through pressure because it's just it's, I don't know why but like those A and D and AAD they can be in the fire but they're just it's not not connected 
Okay. That leads me to my next question. I'm curious about the word information. Right. Because there's a me whole too. there's a whole uh, movement called intelligent design. Yep. Which talks which caught which uses that terminology so it says that dna is information and strictly speaking that doesn't seem to be true but it it's an it's an analogy it's analogous to information so a dna molecule it just comes together as a dna molecule through natural process and the molecule just does what it does it doesn't transfer information do you know what i mean it, it doesn't uh well, what's the way to put that but well anyway the, the when they the intelligent design people it's it's actually it's been sort of it's gone through supreme court and everything they're trying to teach intelligent design in schools it's just another religious it, it's sort of uh creation well it's, it's it's just creationism in in a, it's been repackaged and repurposed and it's called intelligent design. It has its own tenets, and, and none of them have been shown to be true. But they say that. They say that DNA is information. And I was, I, it was interesting that they used that word. Is that the sense that you got that it was, I don't know, I didn't read it. Did you finish the whole book? Yeah, and, and like I said, this is something that happens like within five chapters. It's just like a little preface thing, but it doesn't yeah. necessarily, it's, it's like uh, quotes from different people. Um, in order to just kind of like preface the chapter, but mm -hmm. that's not what the book is about. Yeah, okay. Uh, the, the story is, you know, it's it's got some of that in it, but that's not like the purpose of the story. Okay, um, okay. I, I think I misunderstood that part. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it and I just um yeah I mean there's something to how uh environmental pressure affects DNA and and that's that's what I took DNA and RNA. And, yeah. which is information, which is, you know, uh, essential to a character. Might, it doesn't, ex like, so here's the thing. It doesn't explain everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it explains a characteristic of life. And I think that's pretty clear when it comes to, um, you know, breeding with, with, when it comes to things that are alive. Uh, the adaptation pressure environment, you know, it, it's not something that's conscious. You know, it's, it's not something that you're really aware of. You can't, you can't, you know, you can't have, you can't shoot a load, <laughs> you know, into a vagina and be like, you know what, I got this. I'm controlling it. This kid is not going to have autism. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't right. do that. But that information that gets Chris, you know, shot into it, it's like, well, then now it's like a combination of you, the male and female. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, obviously some, some things are asexual or, you know what I mean? There's all these different elements, but it, it, it has this, it has this thing to where it started a long time ago and it doesn't explain it all, but it's definitely something. It's a part of what life is. And mm -hmm. I, I, I don't see or I've never come in contact with uh, any introduction to religion when it comes to it's just religion seems to me it goes the grandiose way. Yeah. And if intelligent design is being like, look, we have to teach this in school and, and this is the, the one answer, it's like, no, 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 that's going too far. It's really showing, it's really the thing like, all right, well, now that we know what DNA and R, can we, can we look back on, you know, let's just use the Bible. Can we look back on biblical stories and be like, look, man. Here's just another thing that you're you're completely 
even today, you're just basically saying, don't think about that. And it's like, well, we have to. It's here. Right. Okay? You can't You can't just be like, well, just put yourself in a place then like it's not there. It's impossible. Once you know more about this or once you've been introduced to it or it's kind of front and center in your mind, it, it's the wrong direction to be like, well, God made man, you know, and then God made, uh, you know, and then you're just kind of like, what the fuck? That, that doesn't explain, you know, obviously Darwinism has been a part of it and, and everything like that, but this is the smallest level of something where you're being like, look, this is like a subconscious thing. This is something that's happening uh, that you're a part of, whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I just feel like uh, that's that's one position why I have an issue with, with religion is because, and, you know, it's not embracing that piece of it, and it's clear that's not embracing it because uh, the stories within religion. It's just like, uh, fucking, you know, this is what life is. Like, yeah, well, this is, uh, you know, all right, but uh, here's an example of what is, you know, what life is, and see how they don't really meet. So can you, can you, can you at least try, you know? Can you at least try to take the information that's in front of you today and encompass that? within your religious practice and it would be more tolerable to deal with an extreme religious person if they were able to do that i guess like front and center yeah instead of being like uh here's something somebody you know you're like well that's somebody actually came from dna and rna yeah you know prior to you know or else the fishes and the fucking animals will be doing the same thing you know but these these critters they're not uh, they're not going to church you know for multiple reasons you won't let them in and they don't care you know? <laughs> yeah well you <laughs> so we share that frustration yeah we, you and i share that frustration <laughs> that people they do disregard the natural processes that explain how we came to be and they they presuppose God, and then they presuppose that the book was written by God, and they use that as a as their gospel, right? As their as their truth. Yeah. And they they don't have an explanation for DNA, and they don't have an explanation for how we evolved, and they don't have any of that, and they 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 discount it, and they call you an infidel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they discount it. And they're to their own peril, though, too. And they say that it doesn't happen. They say that it's not possible. And they say all this other stuff. And, it, yeah, no, it's incredibly frustrating that they, they literally deny evidence. They deny fact and they deny the truth. And to their own peril, I think. Absolutely. And who's who's the growing pains guy again? <laughs> Kirk Cameron? Kirk Cameron. Yeah. The way of the master. Yeah. Him, Here's a... him, and, him and Ray Comfort, they do a... Mm-hmm. A dog and pony show. Yes, they do. And mm-hmm. with Ray, I believe he gave us a wonderful speech of, look, if God doesn't exist. How can you explain the shape of this banana? Yeah. This banana is <laughs> yeah. formed for a grip and blah, blah, blah. He's kind of like, you know, there's a lot of DNA and RNA in that. You went to fucking, you know, junior high school. <laughs> and then and then you'd be like, No, 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 God made this and you're like, No, actually that's the most visible form of the like you can you can see it. Like I can show you it with a microscope, like with the, like with a Walmart microscope, it'll be right there. That's what they do. It's so visible, it's so clear that the DNA and RNA is in there. And instead, you went ahead and said, "Well, look at the shape of it, how it fits in my hand." And you're like, "Fuck, man!" Like, I'm, yeah, Ray I'm, Comfort I'm, is just a moron. I'm trying, yeah, 
We're trying to show you how it goes beyond just the fucking banana in your hand. You know, it's so what? much smaller but bigger than that. And the really, uh, like, the really funny no, no, thing about good enough. That's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> The the real funny thing about that is the banana has been genetically altered through breeding. Mankind has bred the banana from the plantain. So it didn't always used to be that way. And it's only been the last few maybe hundred or thousand years that we've, that we've actually been able to breed a really sweet, really tender, you know, banana that shows us when it's ripe by turning yellow. And, I mean, fitting in our hand is sort of stupid. Who, who even cares about that? But most of, the char- <laughs> most of the characteristics of a banana are because we bred them into using evolution, use, you know, tricking evolution, Envi- essentially. Yeah, and, and, and here again, environment and pressure. It, right. Uh, you know, it, it was taking said fruit from this location, yeah. bringing it over to this location, and then going, hey, Look, you, 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 and you should meet up and have a have a hell of a night. And we're gonna put you in the dirt, and you know we're gonna we're gonna let you two hang out. And it's like, oh look, they made a they made a, a baby fruit, you know. And this baby fruit is different than that baby. And all these things came into play, and you know, and 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 nothing was taken away. You didn't stop. You didn't stop the other fruit from growing over across the seas. That fruit's still growing, right? Yeah, you can still get plantains. You can still get that plantain, man. They're it's disgusting, <laughs> but you can still eat them. <laughs> but it's, it's there for you. You know, you don't have to wipe them out. Now that you got <laughs> you got the handheld model, you know, that <laughs> looks so so nice in your hands, you know? Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean you're just like, oh, all right, well, this is all we need, so let's get rid of that. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's um. Have you seen any of his debates? Uh, you know, I've come across it, and you know, and I should dive further into it. But God, you're just like, how much do you actually fucking need? You know, how much do you need from this guy to be like, yeah. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah, you're not gonna learn anything from Ray Comfort, but the interesting, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. the interesting thing about the debates is you hear how to effectively, you know, counter argue his his points, and 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 you hear how how I mean, when they articulate the opposite position of what Ray Comfort says, they essentially articulate exactly what you're referring to in your. In the, in the opening quote of that, what, what did you say? It was chapter 16 or chapter 18 of that book? Yeah, we are legion. Yeah, yeah, 16. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like they get it. The the guys that that debate Ray Comfort just demolish him with solid evolution, solid science, and just by listening to them, they they that's how I've learned how to speak about it. I mean, in a lot of ways, right. like I of course I learned about evolution in school, but but not about how to articulate it at that level and, and not about how to actually put it out there and have somebody, it, you know, it, take it in and hear, okay, these are the words that you have to say to make sense. And, and man, he gets just destroyed by guys because he's so stupid. I mean, he's just colossally ignorant. It's just, it's, it's fantastic to watch. I, I always like watching somebody who, for some reason, has, has been able to seduce a large amount of people. I mean, the way of the master has made him a multimillionaire. And oh, yeah. a lot of people think Ray Comfort is a good apologist. They think he's, he's got it figured out, you know? And, uh, and when you, when you listen to the debates that he gets into, he just gets destroyed. He's, he's just essentially. I mean, I, I really do think there might be something wrong with his brain because him and 
and Kent Hovind, I think his name is, the guy that did the, the debate with Bill Nye. Okay. Um, the evolution debate. Um, is it Kent Hovind? It's the guy that owns that museum, the creation museum where they have people riding dinosaurs. <laughs> and they have like, have you heard of that place? We should go there yeah. sometime. Yeah, yeah, I know. And he made it's, the Noah's Ark restaurant. They they built the Noah's Ark restaurant and, yeah, and museum. Yeah. I think that's Kent Hovind. I, I can't remember if that's his name. That might not be the right guy. But um, which, which is just like I mean, you know, ah, God, it's it's it, it holds as much validity as you know Harry Potter. Yeah, over, yeah. The Harry Potter town over at uh, Disney World, which is you know, it's it's, it's good. You know, for people who are into that, I can't fucking stand Harry Potter. But <laughs> hey, man, for people who are into Harry Potter, I'm glad it's there for you. You know, it's a music, it's in the music park. You get to fucking go ahead with your family and shit and do your thing. But shame on you for walking out of an amusement park and be like, we learned a lot today. You know, yeah, yeah. really, you know, uh, I mean, that Noah's Ark, that Noah's Ark restaurant, that is, that's awesome. You know, I can't believe they did that back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with all the animals. I don't know. It's like, but yeah, yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, and, and I'm a contradiction. I know it, man. I'm not, I just, I just don't know. And, uh, I really appreciate, uh, the fact that atheism exists. And because it does exist, it, it allows you to basically, you know, be exposed to things where you as a child are being told, you know, you're special, okay? God's yeah. looking out for you. God's always there. You're, you're one of the chosen ones, you know? You just gotta believe in God. And it just seems like atheism is like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of shit you just gotta fucking do yourself, you know? You, you're gonna bumble. You're gonna stumble through this shit, okay? But don't worry about this whole God's watching you, okay? Right? That's <laughs> that's not your main focus in life, right? That's that's the wrong fucking direction. That shouldn't be front and center. If you want a piece of that in your life, that's you know, hey, to each their own. But after a while, the more you start to realize, you know, there's some wicked shit in that. There's some wicked shit, and and it's really becoming at the end of the day, life is now becoming all about you. Where in reality, you're part of something, and mm -hmm. you should fuck can appreciate that, but not, you know, not think that this is, you know, not have the mindset of a fucking, you know, five-year-old where it's like, this world revolves around you. You're supposed to get past that point. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to evolve past the thing where you don't, you don't have a direct line to this guy. All right. There's all these other things right in front of you that are just amazing. They're fucking amazing. And you should be humbled by the fact that, you know, these things are happening and you didn't know that they exist. Instead of being like, you know, well, God, God made it. It's like, you know, it's tough to learn. Learning is hard for some people. But you can't just fill in every fucking answer that you don't know with God. Right. It, you know, it just doesn't, it's, it's unhealthy, man. And I, I think there's a balance. I think some people have the balance, but of course, where for me personally, when I, when I look at that shit, I, I think of something like this, even when it comes to like conspiracy theories and yada yada and all sorts of stuff, it's just kind of like, look, man, slow it down. <laughs> go the other, go the other fucking direction. Go small, man. Appreciate that. Don't go big. Bigger's not always better. Usually leads you down a fucking dead end. Go small, man. Go the other way. And, and you, you might be like, I don't know, you might, you might find a little something better in you. By doing shit like that. That's my yeah. that's my soapbox. That's yeah. My well, preach on, brother. Oh fuck yeah. So, <laughs> anyways, yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for uh, entertaining that topic, man. That was just something oh, like when, totally. when I heard 
when I heard it, dude, I was just like, right, sometimes you just want to, sometimes you just want to focus on something that's real, but at the same time, you want to be like, ah, that's nice. Makes me feel fuzzy. <laughs> I got, I got that fuzzy warm feeling because, uh, somebody smarter than you was able to articulate it better and your little small mind was able to retain it and be like, that's great. Cool. So. Well, yeah, that, I mean, I'm curious to hear because you you started to talk about it earlier. Um, not right now, but uh, I can't remember when we were talking about it. But started to touch on it earlier. That uh, that date that I sent you um, was Shane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> poor Shane. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and Matt Dillahunty and Tracy Harris. And, uh, I was curious of what your, like, what your impression was of that. You, you kind of touched on it a little bit when we were talking. God, when was that? I, I, honestly, I can't remember when we were talking about that, but. I think we talked about it, uh, yesterday while on the toilet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. You, thinking, you, when we were, when we were shitting, like, I called you up, I was shitting, and then, uh, you, was, you asked me if, if you, if I wanted you to join me <laughs> taking a shit, and I said, uh, yes. Yes. And that's, that's how we got on. Yeah. And I think, um, I think, I really like that we have that relationship. <laughs> that, of all the things we can, we can choose to do together, that's one of the things that we do over the phone. <laughs> it's our happy place, man. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> But I'm I'm curious to get your feedback because I watched that debate I think two times today while I was doing other stuff and just in general I watched it quite a few times because I've I've always liked that debate um, ever since the first time I saw it so I was just curious like what what was your feedback on it or what did you think of it? Uh, I've, I've watched it a couple times and that's the one where basically if I recall the the caller is trying to set up a framing and he's being very vague is that correct is this the same one? Um. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's how a lot of those start off, but yeah. And it was like the, what's the bald guy's name again? Oh, Matt. Matt could could smell it a mile away. I mean, I, I don't see how you could. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy yeah. the guy gets nonstop calls. It seems like I've checked out some of his other uh, shows and stuff, and it's just like, it's like this. Uh, it, it, uh, I find it fascinating uh, for for two different sides, which is here's a caller calling to try and uh, pin, pin Matt in the corner. Mm-hmm. As if you won't be able to answer this one, but it's always the same fucking. It's always the same thing. The, the caller's trying to have him admit that they're that God exists. The last thing I would want to do is call, you know, try and do that. I mean, this is what the guy does twenty four seven. Clearly, you can see it. You can see it on his fucking face. He's just. He's just. He's still waving the flag, holding the torch. You know, he's fighting a good fight. But uh, there's just times where he's on the show where you're like, ah, oh, man, must have had a good week. Maybe he got late or something. You know, and then, and then there's other times where it's like, Matt looks a little stressed out today. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he's going to make it. <laughs> you know, and, you, and you're watching it, and I'm watching it, I'm like, maybe this is the one where he fucking starts grabbing his chest and sweating, you know. And he's like, and he's like, do I take, do you take copper, you know. <laughs> but I think he's uh I think he's a really, you know, uh, admirable guy for what he's doing and I think he 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 just points out like I've, I've watched like I said they've kind of all blurred together but he definitely points out the flaw multiple times where it's just like this is you 
trying to, you know, advocate the point that there's a God, but yet you have, you know, even though that you set up the framing, there's still nothing inside there with substance that says that there's a God other than, other than just you, just you saying that there's no real, there's no meat to it. And, right. um, that's, that's what I got from it. And, uh, I'm interested to hear the details that you have more in it. Cause I, like I said, I apologize. <laughs> I watched like, I've watched like four of them. So oh, no, that's they, fine. If just to, just to, cause you're right. They all kind of have the same problem, right? Is, is the, the whole point of the show, or at least since Matt took it over, I've watched every show sure. <laughs> that they've, that they've ever done or whatever, because I was just obsessed with this show for a couple years. And, uh, when Matt took over, his big thing was, what do you believe and why? And then, you know, that would sort of bring, that would launch them into the discussion. And then Tracy is, is like the queen of, of reason. She's just so reasonable that it's like, I wish I could meet a woman like that. You know what I mean? I was just having a discussion with a woman last night and every other sentence was a contradiction of every other sentence. So it was just like, oh my God, you have no grip on reality at all, you know, other than the obvious shit, like, okay, well, I get up, I make coffee, I do this, I do that. I mean, no, wasn't she going off of the whole type of, uh, wasn't it, um, morality? Wasn't that the discussion? Yeah. And then that was the, bringing yeah. up, yeah, she, she brought up the, the point where it's like the morality would be something that would exist without the assistance of God. Uh, you know, man would come to that conclusion himself, right? And, uh, and to say that the conclusion was all, all do important because the God doesn't really acknowledge the actual process to it, right? Uh, yeah, totally. Yep. The, like this, it, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. She just she allowed the she allowed the um, caller to kind of work through the perspective of constantly dropping the, the terminology God though. Man needs God. Yeah, no, she she's really good at guiding people through a conversation, especially when they don't know which way to go. <laughs> and this guy, Shane, Shane is one of my favorite callers. I think he's called in a couple of times, but that was the time when he was talking at the very end of the conversation. They were talking about child rape, and Shane said, "Well, you're just you're assuming that that child is innocent. That child is just as much of a sinner as anybody else." And that's when Matt hung up the phone and was like, "Yeah, you're done, you." Sick piece of shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, just, uh... I just love that whole call because it just it it to me it just it highlights and this is why you and I you and I go back and forth sometimes sometimes in our in our discussions because um to me though this that call just demonstrates how how far off you can get when you start with a false premise. So the, the false premise in that conversation is is there's two false premises and they're both terrible. That one is that um, God exists and then the other one is that we can't even know morality without God. So, and he's talking, they, they talk about objective morality. You can talk about it as a, as a real thing, but it doesn't, it doesn't, you don't have to describe things in an objective morality. You, you just need evidence and facts and reason and logic. And then you can, you can navigate through the, um, the moral landscape as a, you know, so to speak. But, right. and that's what they kept telling him over and over and over again. And he couldn't get it because he's, he's just, he's just so stuck in his false premise that God exists and that we we have to have a God in order to have an objective moral truth. Yeah. So, I mean, sodomy is fucking somebody in this, right? Sorry? Sodomy? Sodomy is going anal. Isn't that correct? Or am, um, I, or am I incorrect on that? 
It's, uh, just for the sake of argument, let's say it is. I think it is, but I, I don't know for sure if what the actual definition of sodomy is. But yeah, that, that, I think that's at least one of the definitions. Does it sound kind of familiar? At least? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it rings a bell. So I'm not like, uh, you know, gumballs when you fart on a chick's face, right? <laughs> I, I, think, <laughs> I think sodomy is anal. Okay. And, you know, sodomy is a sin. Um, and you kind of sit there and you're just like, man, you know, it's it's tantalizing for the fact that you know it's an exit and it probably <laughs> doesn't feel very right to the majority of people, you know. Um, I myself, I don't enjoy sticking things up my ass, right? But I, I don't like it at all. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, I I do find a certain kind of joy, you know, sticking my finger up a chick's ass while fingering her, you know, and just seeing whether she likes it or not. I don't know. It's just me. That's what I do. Uh, that's what I have done. I don't do it all the time. Uh, just, you know, those really fucked up moments where you're clearly never going to see her again. You're like... <laughs> Just go all in, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then respect, you know, if it's not the thing, you're like, yeah, all right, I'm stopping. You know, it's probably kind of funny. I wouldn't call it a sin, though, you know. I wouldn't put it up there in that category of, like, well, sodomy is, is wrong. It's like, there's, there's worse things, man, you know. I wouldn't call it fucking wrong, you know. It's black or white, you know. It's just kind of it's kind of fucked up because what about the ones who like it, you know. Right. And then you're just calling them wrong for liking it. That's, you know, it's just one of those things, too, where it's like, well, God says it's wrong, and you're just like, well, right there off the bat. You know, what do you, what do you say about the gal who loves getting fucked in the Because they're out there. Presumably they do exist. Yeah. They're just, (laughs) I mean, they've used up the right way to where it's numb. They don't feel anything anymore. (laughs) (laughs) They've used the right, the wrong way to feel something. I wouldn't call that a fucking judgment on God, you know, Uh, you know, I gotta step in here, you know, that's, yeah. Well, it highlights the point that there doesn't, it doesn't make sense to just follow command. Right, right. You know, if it, if anal sex is wrong, it's wrong because the person that you're doing it to says, <laughs> I don't like this, please stop. Yeah. That's the only thing that's wrong about it. And right. to just say is a, a command, it's wrong. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And I think in the, in the, in the context of the discussion that we were talking about on the atheist experience, both Matt and Tracy point that out, you know, ad nauseum, they say things like, yeah, well, you're not even being moral if you're just following commands. You're being amoral. You're you're not using morality at all. You're not you're not you're not engaging. You're just doing what you're told. Yeah, man, it uh, is fascinating. I, I can't. I will never understand how a person of faith would pick up the phone not to be like, hey, I want to I want to learn more about where these guys are coming from, you know? Yeah. And ask questions and be like, ah, oh, I see what you're saying. You know, I see where you're coming from, you know? But instead, they just call up just to be like, you know, I'm going to get this fucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to nail him to the fucking wall this time. Clearly, it hasn't worked out too well. You know, and they're, they're long-listening, long-watchers, long-time watchers. And, uh, yeah, interesting job, man. I don't know. Would you would you ever want to be put in the position of calling people's questions to call in? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be open to that. I, I like having those kinds of conversations because it forces me to walk through what I think and and why I think it in real time, which is exceedingly hard to do. I mean, it's just hard to, on your feet, on your toes, you know, 
come up with good examples and counter certain arguments and understand the presuppositions. And you know what I mean? It, it, to me, that's a very valuable tool because bullshit is everywhere and people are just spewing it out at you know, noxious levels. And it's important to be able to, when somebody says something to you and wants you to agree with them, I mean, some people just want to agree that I had a conversation last night, in fact, that it didn't matter that what she was saying didn't make any sense. It didn't matter that her analogy was a false one, that it, that it, you can't come to the conclusion that she came to based on it. None of that mattered. None of the evidence, none of the facts mattered. What mattered is, is that I was saying that, that I pointed out that she wasn't making sense and she didn't like that. She didn't, she didn't care if she made sense or not. And that's, yeah, that's, uh, where, where, can I ask you where this was? Oh yeah, I was at my house when we had this discussion, but we, we met at a bar. It's a friend, it's a friend of mine. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. We were both out and sort of coincidentally at the same part of town and literally like the same, we were both at Union Square or sorry, Union Station. So we were both downtown at the train station uh, and I was, I was having a beer cause I just got done talking to my boy and, uh, I was right down the street from there. So I walked down to Union Station and figured I'd, you know, just have a beer and watch some hockey and figure out how I was going to, how I was going to get home. Cause I had taken the light rail. Um, I was deciding on an Uber or whatever, but anyway, I, she, she said she was out and about and that she wanted to catch a drink with me. And so I said, yeah, I'm at Union Station. She said, that's a coincidence. I'm on my way there. And then we didn't really talk that much at the bar. We talked a little more when we got to my place and had a couple, uh, you know, a couple ounces of bourbon. And she's one of these people that, and it's not, con- it's not continuous. It's not all the time, but. Wait a second. Wait a second. What kind of bourbon? <laughs> uh, we were drinking, uh, W.L. Weller. Oh, that's you, yeah. William War- Laurel Weller. Uh, it's, it's delicious. I'm having a little bit right now. Beautiful. Beautiful. Kiss. Kiss. So you, uh, <laughs> you, you, you show, show quite the hospitality. Give her I some, uh, give her some delicious drink. She starts talking and you're just like, damn it. <laughs> this is back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're not making any sense. And, well, and instead of, instead of her being like, yeah, I get it. I'm, I'm fucking, you know, I'm just going off. <laughs> Whatever. And instead she gets what? She gets offended. She gets offended. <laughs> Yeah. And she's like, you're really hard to talk to because you actually care about what's, re-, you know, she didn't say that, but she's like, you can be hard to talk to sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, you can be hard to listen to sometimes. I mean, <laughs> you know, how the fuck, how many people think heads are... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How am I supposed to make heads or tails of what you're saying when you literally just contradicted yourself like three times? And and it's just it's just bizarre because some people it really doesn't do you any good to bring up that they contradict themselves or to ask questions about that because they just don't draw the connection. You know, they just don't they say things like, Well, it makes sense to me. Right, right. And it's like Okay, well, I guess your your mind is fucked then because that doesn't make any sense, and here's the reasons why. And then my my least favorite thing that people do, and this happens to me pretty often, is you'll point out a contradiction, uh-huh. and they'll they'll like be nodding up their head up and down, you know, yes, yes, I understand, and then they'll say, well, and I'll say, so you get it, and they'll be like, yes, and then they say, but, and then they go right back into their contradiction, <laughs> yeah, and it's I, like. I, I, it's like, no, no, yeah. you don't get it, okay? You're not getting this. This is not something you get. And so it's just, it's just, it's bizarre. It's just bizarre behavior. Sure, sure. And I, you know, uh, throughout these, throughout these talks and exercises and stuff like that, you know, I see guilty of the same thing. I don't, uh, you know, when, it, when I do say I get it, I guess, uh, what I'm trying to say is, uh, 
in those moments, it's kind of like, yeah, it's flawed, you know. And then you, and then for you to come with the conclusion of your mind is fucked, it'd be like, yeah, that'll work. And, well, I'm not, and, uh, I'm not talking about you though. No, no, but I think, I think that's something that. I appreciate with our talk, or if it doesn't hit me, it will hit me later on. And I'll be like, yeah, you know, it's true. It's fucked up. And uh, there's a contradiction there, and, and that, that allows to explore more. Absolutely. It, yeah. It's It's got to be, you know, it's 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 really something that's a process where it's like you, you got to fucking check. It, it's an opportunity to check yourself type of thing, and it's not meant to be a... Uh, uh, personal attack, I guess. No, exactly. And, and, and I think a lot of people take it to that level. I, I, I take it to that level. Like, just it'll, it'll trigger off because it's it's stretching the brain out. It's trying to, you know, strengthen those muscles, be able to use it, you know, much like, you know, you talking about it, a person calling in with the same reason that you're saying. It's not something you just have. You got to work on it. And, and I think that that's kind of one of those things where it's like, all right, well, here's something I need to work on. And here's something I can put some, you know, time and energy into in order to develop that area. And I think a lot of people just default to, you know, getting defensive and, uh, getting upset. And, um, you know, obviously you, 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 you pointed that out. People get defensive and upset and they take it personal. Yeah. And then it's just like, well, it's not, uh, you know, that's not, that's not the real point of it. You got it. There's an edge to these discussions when you, when you have them, but at the same time, it's like, you know, there's, it doesn't really matter how it gets displayed. It's just for the, the value of it is pointing it out. And, and I think that, um, it's, it's difficult for people to take their, themselves out of it and, uh, go off of the topic. Yeah. And I think it doesn't, it's like, as far as I can tell, it doesn't seem like a lot of people, or I shouldn't say a lot of people. I should just say, I, I don't think some people value the actual truth that are more interested in their idea. And when their idea is pointed out as being incorrect or wrong or whatever wording you want to use, they, they say, well, why is that wrong? Or what's wrong with my idea? And they say it almost as if they, their idea is, well, what do you think? Should we paint this room blue or yellow? You know what I mean? Or they, oh, okay. they, they, they yeah. kind of, they make it sound like their idea is, is that benign, you know? And that's just a, that's just an opinion. It, it's just an opinion. Who cares really, except for you? So if you like blue, then paint it blue. And nobody could ever say, well, that's wrong. Blue is wrong. You're wrong. That's, that's, that's inconsistent. That's illogical for these reasons, right? But they take that, they take that pure opinion and they try to map that onto something that's actually factually either right or wrong. So when you make a claim, when you make a statement about something, if it's a claim that, you know, I like blue, then there's no way that that can be wrong. But if it's a claim that, you know, God exists or, or whatever, pick one, there's actually truth to be found in that claim or, or it can be falsified. And that's the key is that's we got I got into that discussion kind of deep with last night with falsification is a lot of people don't recognize when their idea is not falsifiable. And if the idea is not falsifiable, then it's very, very suspicious. And so the the idea that I like blue is unfalsifiable and it's just true opinion. I mean, who cares? Right. 
But the idea that God exists, that's an actual falsifiable claim. You're, you know, and, and I think people don't understand a lot of the times or, or they just sort of, they just sort of misunderstand. It's not that they don't understand completely when you describe it to them. Like if you were to say, if you were to describe what a true opinion is and then what an actual claim on reality is, they, they're like, oh yeah, I get it. You know, uh, that hole is two feet deep and I can, I can make that claim and then I can go measure it and find out, you know, I can falsify that. But the, that's a nice hole. It's, it's a, it's a good looking hole. That is, that's just a, an opinion, you know, or I don't like that hole because I just don't like holes. Who wants a hole? That's, that's the beginning of a grave and I don't like graves, you know, or whatever. Like maybe that's a dumb example, but people tend to get that mixed up. A lot of people sort of, they don't recognize that their opinion is different than a claim about reality. And then there's another level to that. And I think this is why they get a little bit confused is they can have an opinion about the claim on reality. You could say God exists. And then you can say, I don't like God. And those are two different claims. One is a claim on reality and the other is an opinion about that about that claim, about that, you know, right. about God or whatever, whatever you're, if you say, I don't like God, then obviously there's a couple follow-up questions like, well, what do you mean? And what God, who are we talking about here? And why don't you like God or whatever? But, right. but those well, are, those well, are well, opinions, you know what I mean? And those are strictly opinions. They have no evidential basis. There's no fact and they're, they're unfalsifiable. But right. if you make it a, if you make a claim that actually has, that actually is a, is about reality or a claim about existence or a claim about what's right or wrong or, you know what I mean, actually has some tangible relationship to reality, then, then all of a sudden now it's not your opinion. It's, it, there is a way to falsify that or there is, there's further facts or, or, or evidence that needs to be unearthed in order to, in order to support that claim. And if you don't have any support for that claim or you start off from that position where you have an unsupported claim, then, and this is why I love that, that, uh, to, to bring it back to that debate with, between Shane and, and the atheist experience. Right. When you start from a false claim, you're, you're automatically setting yourself up for failure because anything that you get off of that false claim, any, any conclusion that you derive from that false claim, whether it's true or not, it, if you get it right, you probably got it right by accident, <laughs> right? It's not because of your claim. Right. Yeah. It's um. It's uh. It's what you. It's what you. It's what you are taking in. Um. From what somebody's saying, and it's kind of like I mean, uh, <clears throat> what, what was it? Uh, I believe there's a God, but I hate God. Yeah. And and they're looking for like, and here's why. You know, they're looking for that door to open so they can so they can unload. Right, what's going on in their life, and somebody can take that as an opportunity and be like, "All right, well, let's let's hear, it. you know, let's allow you to vent, you know, let's hear you go." But then at the same time, it, there's something positive. Be like, "Oh, well, uh, you don't like God? Here's some good news that God God has nothing to do with any of those things." So, if you <laughs> yeah. believe in a God, that's fine. But if you don't believe in a God, it's going to make it a lot simpler. Yeah, uh, that means that you just got some problems, and here's. <laughs> You know, and you can just focus on those problems. Really, it's not, it's, it, there, there's, there's no puppet master, you know? Yeah, there's you know? nothing to go whine yeah. about. Yeah. God doesn't work in mysterious ways. Uh, God doesn't work if God's not there, right? So. <laughs> yeah, and God doesn't work on the Sabbath. So, yeah. <laughs> so you, yeah, so you personally, you got a big, huge loss going on right now, you know, and, and you got some stuff you got to work through, you know, and, and you're trying to figure out why, why is this happening? And it's like, well, you know, Here's this thing that lies dormant in your loved one's body. And it's in you too. 
You know, it's a sting, it's death, it's cancer, you know. And we don't know why it gets activated in some and not others, but you you have that dormant gene as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And it activated itself and it took a, it took that person's life away. That's what it that's what it does. That's how it exists. You know, and then the person's like, well, I want to know why. And you're like, well, it's just got to explain to you, you know. That's what it is. It's not it's not fair. It's not right. It's not anything. It, it doesn't acknowledge that. It's just it's this horrible thing. And and some people are just like, I don't want to accept that. I think it's bigger than that, you know. And you're just like, oh, okay, well, I don't know where to go. With yeah. This, you know, except if you want to keep talking, you can talk, but shit, you know. And at the end of the day, this is what's happening, you know. Uh, does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I, th- I think a lot of people have, have a hard time with that. You know, uh, I've I've also the thing I admire about you though, man, is that um, like Shane will call up the show, right, in order to talk about whatever Shane wants to talk. You know, you know Shane Shane calls up the atheist. What's the show called again? Oh, the atheist experience. Yeah, Shane will call up the atheist experience in order to basically uh, throw out his uh, two cents and just get smashed, right? Oh. Mm-hmm. The thing that I like about you is that you and I will talk about something, and it's almost like you have a show, and you're calling me up. <laughs> <laughs> you're the host and the caller. <laughs> I'm just like, hello? I was going, yeah, hey, all right, let's talk about this. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, okay, I don't know anything about this. Let's, let's go, you know. But you, you allow that uh, that to occur, which is, you know, appreciated, man, because it, uh, it puts a twist on it, you know. Did you think about shit that's outside of uh, my normal day to day? Well, I get, like, <laughs> all excited about different topics, and then I just want somebody to talk to about it. So I'm just like, well, who, who likes to talk? Well, I'll talk to because he always likes to talk. <laughs> so it's like, I'll talk to and then I call you and dump all that shit on you, and you're just like, uh, yeah. Okay. Word. Yeah, word. <laughs>